Uh, good morning again, everybody. I hope you're doing well. That was great to, to worship together and uh, excited to be here. Do you notice in between, we got a text this morning just uh, that 5 a.m. our recent hillsider was born, uh, Afi and Odua, Imuduan, I think is her last name, Afi and Odua had a baby girl this morning. I think, so congratulations to the Imuduan family. Um, it was the briefest of texts. I know no details, but uh, excited, excited for that great uh, gift to uh, their family and to our family as well. Uh, before we get into our, our message this morning, and kind of we're doing something a little bit different today, but I uh, want to just remind you, next week we're actually having communion, and as part of our communion service, we're going to have an opportunity. Our elders and prayer team are all going to be available next week uh, at the back and uh, for healing prayer. And uh, I don't know about you, but I just know a whack of people right now in my life that are in trouble in some kind of way. I, I have, can you think of them in your, in your brain for a moment? Do you know of somebody who's in trouble? Uh, somebody who needs God's touch? And, and quite honestly, it might be you. You might have a need. I talked to somebody that had a, an issue this morning, and, and I didn't wait. We prayed right then and there. But um, I know that uh, for, for many of us, we have something we're wrestling with, some lack in our life, some health need, some relationship crisis, and it'd be great if God just showed up and, and met us in those places. So just during our communion time, we're going to have an opportunity for you to bring that before the Lord with a couple others, and uh, we just believe God answers prayer, and he hears us when we call out to him, and so let's be, but, but why we tell you now is to be thinking of this so you can be preparing, but let's be praying for an uncontainable move of God in our midst uh, next Sunday. And uh, we'd, I'd love to see that just be the constant state of being here, that God is moving in such a way where people are giving him glory. And so, but let's be praying together, knocking on heaven's door that he would show up and meet us in our places of need and uh, all for his glory. Amen? Uh, it's a really, it's a thrill today to introduce, we got a, this is like, I don't know if you know this corner, but this is like the heavy hitters corner over here. We got Lincoln. <laughs> feeling some pressure, feeling some heat. You, you might, some of you would know Lynn Deeds. He was here last fall. He comes regularly to Hillside. Lynn is our, a part of, he, we're part of the EMCC family, and uh, Lynn is our regional minister, and he's a beloved member. I said, what is it like being here this morning, and you have no official duties? Are you surviving? Is it okay? You just, you just get to be today. I can breathe. I love that. But uh, real treat today to have our, the president of our denomination, uh, he's newly elected uh, last spring, last May. Uh, what, a, what an amazing time that was to see him take that uh, transition into that role. And uh, Kervin told me that this is the first church he's preached at since he became president. <laughs> Kervin uh, has long time been a pastor. He pastored in places like Lethbridge and Chilliwack of all places. Uh, he pastored for a long time in Calgary, uh, two churches in Calgary. Center Street, he was there for the longest. And Center Street is uh, probably one of the biggest churches in Canada, and, and he's been involved there in integral ways over the years. 
He's been uh, president of uh, one of our Bible colleges, Hillcrest Bible College, for a few years. And uh, he's a husband to Joan, and he's got three lovely children. And uh, I thought it would be great this morning if we could welcome him, but I'm going to interview him. So come on up. Let's give him a warm hillside welcome today. Kervin. So Kervin, uh, tell me a little bit about your hometown. Where did you grow up? I grew up on a farm. Uh, my hometown was Delia, Delia, Alberta, 200 people. Anybody Wh heard of Delia, Alberta? <laughs> yeah, Wallace, Wally and Heather oh. have. My home church town was Hannah, Alberta. We had an evangelical church there, yeah. So, so you were telling me, you, you, were, you grew up on a farm, and yet, and you have siblings, right? I that, do, that, yes. That yeah. became farmers. Mm -hmm. You're one of the only ones that didn't become a farmer. Yeah, I have three older brothers, uh, two farm, two younger sisters. One of them married a farmer, yeah. So uh, apparently your dad, though, tell me about this yeah. prayer that he prayed that you yeah. only found out recently that he kind of had asked God kind of a specific prayer. Well, yeah. Um, so when I went to Bible college, Hillcrest Christian College, it's there God's hand uh, touched me, said, I need you in ministry. I'm, I wasn't sure he wa was thinking straight that day, but <laughs> anyhow, I went home to tell my dad uh, that... <laughs> that God uh, has his hand on my life. He wants me to prepare for ministry. And he started crying. And I never really knew why. Was it tears of joy or tears of sadness because he knew what I might be in store for? We, we grew up in a church that was full of fights. Mm. So, uh, but anyhow, uh, my dad's uh, been with Jesus for 38 years now. And it was just a, a few months ago, Walter Erian Wallace, you know, uh, I told him this story, and he said to me, you know, Kervin, your dad, when he was young, uh, felt a call into ministry, but uh, his father, my grandpa, would, didn't bless him to do that. He said, I need you on the farm. And so my dad's prayer all his life was that one of his boys uh, would become a pastor. So I did not know that until a couple, couple months ago. That's very cool. Wow, what a great gift. It's very ri that rich in meaning for me, yeah. Okay, we're moving from uh, the deep to the surface here a little bit. Uh, real quick answers on these ones. Favorite book? The Other than the Bible, The of Bible. <laughs> oh, I love reading uh, uh, biographies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill, okay. All right, good. Favorite movie? Forrest Gump. Yeah. Awesome. Favorite food? You're from, you're from Alberta. It's yeah, Alberta like beef Meat and potatoes. Yeah. Meat and potatoes, yeah, it's yeah. true. It's true. It's probably not but, sushi. But when I'm here, I like sushi, oh. and I love salmon. Salmon. Who doesn't like salmon? Love it. Uh, favorite thing to do on a day off? I love to go for walks with my grandchildren. Uh, okay. They're just little, six, four, and two. That's great. Uh, how, do you meet, how do you meet your girl? How do you meet Joan? Well, Bible college. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> she was dating my best friend, and I thought, if they ever break up, that's my girl. And that happened. Wow. If they ever break up. Did you pray that they'd no, break no, up? You didn't no. pray. <laughs> Lord, break them up, yeah, I pray. No, I didn't do that. It was awkward, though, when they broke up. <laughs> Now, did I get this right? Do you have three kids or two kids? We have two boys. Uh, Jordan's our oldest and Tyler's our youngest. Jordan is a, a medical doctor in uh, Calgary. He'd be the kind of doc that could help you, Wallace, there. He's a physiatrist, 
anything that has to do with the body's ability or inability to move. And he's married, has three grandchildren. Our youngest son, Tyler, is a special needs uh, young man. He's 31 years old. And uh, he just moved out uh, two years ago to live with another family. And uh, that was not the easiest day, but it was the right day mm. for him and for us. Wow, that's great. Give us your 30-second uh, elevator testimony, how you met Jesus. Yeah, well, I was raised in a, in a uh, Christian home. My mom and dad both loved Jesus, uh, served the Lord faithfully in their church, in our church. And so I really don't remember a day that I didn't know or love God. But I do remember the day I prayed to open the door and invite him in. I was at a revival meeting in our church in Hannah. And uh, I've walked with him 29 years now. <laughs> I, am awesome. I am 59 this year. <laughs> Be 60 soon. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to let you take, take it from there. And, yeah, and, good. Uh, Thank you. Go for it. Derwin's going to come back <clears throat> in approximately 18 minutes. And uh, whether I'm finished or not, because uh, I don't believe that uh, it's about content, the fullness of what Jesus has given me to share with you. It is about me coming, I'm a farm boy, remember, I come with a bag of seed, and I want to give the seed to you that Jesus has put on my heart for you, and then let He, Holy Spirit, Derwin and your, your leaders in the church, do with it what Jesus would have you do. So He's going to come back, and then we're going to have a conversation uh, about what He heard me and the Spirit say, and if we have time, we're going to give you opportunity to add to what Jesus is saying here today. Whether you agree or disagree isn't the issue. It, you know, for you to listen to Jesus as we're talking, as I'm talking, and uh, then seed it amongst one another. I've never done this before. <laughs> You're the first, so we're going to try and see if that works. Do you know, I want to just encourage uh, Allie? Is that your name? Ellie. Ellie? Thank you for this gift of worship. Psalm 34 Verse 3 says, let us magnify the Lord together. Let us exalt him. Well, I'm wearing magnifying glasses, as some of you are. And the purpose of magnifiers is what? Just speak out to me. Focus. Yeah, focus, yeah. Clarity. Clarity. To see better. So to bring things closer so we can see them more clearly and it's bigger oh magnify the Lord we pray Jesus draw us closer that we might see you more clearly and hear you more clearly so you'll be bigger in the territory of our lives and in the territory of this church because when Jesus is present and he's getting bigger and bigger and there's room for nothing but him. Worship does that, Ellie. Thank you for the gift. So this morning I was praying with the team and, and Jesus gave me a vision of angels standing around your property. I don't think that that's just for today, but he just showed me that for today. Why would that be, do you think? Angels are on assignment. They're on guard. That the holy ground that that you live in here belongs to Jesus.
and something very special. His intention is something very special happens here. Every time you gather here, every time you gather together one-on-one, two together in your homes, wherever, that's his intent. So I want to talk to you this morning about the intentions of God for the church. There's a movie out there just now. It's called All the Money in the World. How many have seen it? There's one. We're not going to tell the plot. But I want to seed something. It's a story of John Paul Getty III. He was the grandson of John Paul Getty I. And John Paul Getty III was kidnapped and held for ransom. The story of the movie is how Gail, John Paul Getty III's mother, in desperation was seeking to cause Grandpa to pay the $4 million ransom. Sounds like a lot of money today, but it wasn't for him. He was a multi-billionaire. I believe that movie is a picture of what many of Christ's followers today have as a false image of God the Father, who has all the riches, we're told, in the Bible of heaven and earth. But we have this image that he's very reluctant to release them to us for our needs, for our wants. And so we move into some unhealthy relationships with the Father, an unhealthy relationship with the Father because of the way we see Him and understand Him. And we just think that if we'll just perform good enough, then He'll release stuff into our lives. If we'll just be good enough, He'll release things. If we'll just pray enough or go to church enough or give enough or whatever it is, He'll give us stuff. And he's reluctant, so we believe, to do that. The question is, uh, what do we believe about the heart of God? What do we believe about the nature of God? It is the most important question for us to answer as followers of Jesus Christ. Because it was in the Garden of Eden where Satan came to Adam and Eve and caused them to distrust the heart of God for them. Did God really say, don't eat of the fruit? Well, actually he did. And the enemy of your life and of mine was saying in that, you know, God's holding out on you because he knows that if you eat of the fruit, you're going to change, and he doesn't want you to change. He doesn't want you to be Better. He doesn't want you to know knowledge of good and evil. Well, that, of course, that's true. But Satan sowed a lie. Distrust the word of God, the written word of God, the rhema word of God, because he's not really out for your best interest. It is a lie from Satan. We'll talk about why that is in a bit. The other one is to doubt his heart or to doubt his word. Doubt, 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 doubt. Have faith in God, Jesus said. 
and amazing things are going to happen. Eh, well, the enemy says, I'm not so sure about that. So we begin to doubt God's heart for us. What are the intentions of God for your life? And what are the intentions of God for this church? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, let's just take those. And I'm going to read uh, several verses. And so I'm inviting you to listen for the words in this chapter which tell us that God is an intentional God. Ephesians chapter 1, starting to read at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We're going to come back to that scripture. For he chose, there's the word, intentionality, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us. Predestined. Now, this is this is speaking to Christ followers. You and I, as followers of Christ, are predestined to receive some things from the Father. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will. God has a will. He's an intentionality that comes out of His will. To the praise of his glorious grace. That phrase is repeated in verse 12 and in verse 14. It's a very important phrase. Which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will. There's that word will again. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. God is very purposeful. He chooses things. He has a will for us, for you. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen. It's the second time we see the word chosen. First one was in verse 4. Having been predestined, there's that word again, according to the plan, there's the word plan, of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. You're getting the idea here? God, our Heavenly Father, is extremely intentional toward us as individual followers of Jesus Christ and toward his church. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Some Bibles translate that for the display of his glory. That's what you were talking about, angel. I forget your phrase now. We are the... Say, evidence. Witness? No, no. There, evidence. evidence there. That's what that means here. For the evidence of his glory. We're going to end. I'm going to end my talk talking about the glory. And You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. So something happened when we believed. Something very special. We'll outline that. You were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to 
the praise or the evidence or the display of his glory. So the scriptures here are, uh, reveal to us the heart of God for, heart of God for us. Verse 3 uh, talks about the, the intent of the heart of God to uh, release into our lives, into the life of your church, the spiritual blessings of heaven, blessings from the heavenly realms. Our a problem, I think, as human beings is that we live in the natural more than we ought to. Now, that sounds like a crazy statement because we can't leave our bodies. But there's two realms that we live in. We live in the natural realm and in the heavenly realm. The natural realm consists of our heart, our soul, our mind, our bodies, and our relationships. But the natural person exists in a larger realm called the spiritual realm. And the heart of God for you and for this church is that we learn to live from the spiritual realm into the natural. Think of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. What's the next line? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are invited by God to live from the spiritual realm, the heavenly realm, into the natural realm. When we learn to do that, as we learn to do that, the blessings of heaven flow through us. This past week I had the privilege of sitting with one of my friends, which I have regular coffee times, because he's figured this out. He tells me stories regularly of how Jesus has released the blessings of heaven through him to bring deliverance from demonic in people's lives. That's his gift. Some of you are gifted as teachers, so there's, we're not elevating any one gift over anything else. But he sees with spiritual eyes, he hears with spiritual eyes what's really going on in the natural. That's no different for you. Heaven is full of warehouses, so I imagine. And the warehouse in heaven has Glenn's name on it. Hi, Glenn. Lillian's not with you today. And it has Wallace's name and Heather's and Derwin's and Angel's and Lincoln's. There's a warehouse in heaven with your name on it. And Jesus, by the scriptures, is saying, I want to release stuff from heaven the blessings of heaven, I want to release them into your life so that you can be a blessing to other people. How do we know that's true? Well, verse 4 talks about the will of God to adopt us into his family. That word adoption in the Greek and Roman world was a legal term. It was a legal transaction that said, once you were over there, not in my family, now you are. And now you're entitled to all the rights and privileges of being in my family, in the family of God. Hence, we have the right and privilege of receiving the inheritance, the blessings of heaven into our lives. One day when my time on earth is over and my wife's 
Joan, when our time is over, we hope to leave an inheritance for our children. Stuff that will bless them. That's not the way God works. God is future present. He intends for the inheritance that he has stored up for us in the warehouse of heaven will be released into our lives now. He's future present. And spiritual maturity and growth and discipleship is actually learning how to access that which Jesus gives to us. And it isn't by praying the right prayer. It isn't by knowing the right person. It isn't by performance. Pray more, study more, go to church more, witness more, give more, all of that. That isn't it. It's about sonship. It's about intimacy. The more we grow in our intimacy with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the more we understand and are able to access the resources, the blessings of heaven for our lives. This isn't so that my life will necessarily be fuller and richer, more prosperous, more successful. I can have more lands and houses, and out here, I guess, boats. <laughs> it's not what that's about. Those, those might come. It's about releasing the blessed, spiritual blessings of heaven through my words and through my lifestyle so that others can be drawn into the family of God. That's what verses 7 and 8 are talking about, the gift of redemption. We are redeemed. Our lives have been bought with the price. Jesus ransomed us. He reconciled us with the Father. He gave us right, the gift of righteousness and is regenerating us. All of those gifts from heaven. So that, three times the phrase, His glory will be demonstrated through us. God loves the world. He loves people so much that he lavishes his love. I don't actually know what that means. Because my parents didn't lavish love on me. They assumed that I knew they loved me. So I have a bit of a problem. That's a growth point for me to actually feel the lavishness of God's love. Some of you are probably like that here. You grew up in a home environment that was not healthy. And that gets in the way of you actually imagining and believing that you are deeply loved by God the Father. But it's true, because He's holy. His love is holy and pure and righteous and good. So we're adopted into the family of God. And because we're adopted into the family of God, we live from the throne room of heaven, from from the Father's house. We're placed there. Our spirit man, spirit woman is placed there. We live there. And we get to enjoy the Father. We grow in intimacy. And as we grow in intimacy, the bigger our spiritual maturity, authority, and capacity becomes. down about verse Derwin would know this because he probably has this chapter memorized. Oh, yes. He does, see? Verse uh, 13, 14. When you believed, when you became part of the family of God, you were marked. 
think tattoo. Think something. If you don't like tattoos, think something else. You were marked by the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing something. Those are three amazing words. Marked with a deposit guaranteeing something. What God is saying to us here is that we are not left alone to live out this Christian life, being followers of Jesus. Life is hard sometimes, isn't it? We're not guaranteed an easy road in this life. But we're not alone. I know that. Cancer touched my life too. Some things I can't do anymore because there's a body part I don't have. But I have the Holy Spirit. I'm marked, branded, tattooed. I belong to him. He belongs to me. And it's like a deposit. A deposit is like you, you have some money. We work. We get paid twice a month. Money comes in. And then money goes out. Money comes in. So it's the same. The Holy Spirit deposits stuff in you, and he expects you to do something with it. As you're growing and learning and maturing in that, you rise to new heights of spiritual maturity, authority, and capacity. And then he puts some more in, and you rise. And he makes another deposit, and another deposit. But, but you won't keep, he won't keep doing that until you rise, until you do something with what you have. Guaranteeing our inheritance. Future, <coughs> present. The stuff that's stored up for us in heaven is our inheritance. And he wants to release it little by little or much by much so that we can live for the display of his glory. My last thought, and then I'm coming here. The word glory in the Bible has multiple meanings, but one of the ones I love is lightning. For the display of his lightning glory. We often think about lightning as being destructive, and it can be. But it's usually not. Lightning is brilliantly beautiful. We get sheet lightning out on the prairies. I don't know if you get that here. The whole sky lights up. And it's powerful. And lightning actually deposits nitrogen into the soil. I don't know if you knew that. It's life-giving. For the display of the life-giving brilliance and power of God. This is the will of God in Christ for you as an individual and for your church. That the glory of God will be displayed from this place, from your individual lives, wherever you go. Because you're a carrier of the glory of God. And stuff is going to happen from heaven on earth. Miracles of redemption, miracles of healing, miracles of deliverance, miracles of the eyes 
of the spiritually blind will be opened, miracles of people being trapped in injustice to set free, miracles of people coming to discover that they are a favored child of God, miracles of deep, 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 deep discipleship. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you and for this church. Derwin. So. <clears throat> hey, I'm asking the questions, aren't I? Okay. No, well, you go ahead. <laughs> Uh, our mission at Hillside has been, uh, in, in the last couple of years, we've clarified it to bring the healing, hope, and compassion of Jesus to the Tri-Cities, our community, and beyond. Um, and what I hear you talking about, and it, it, us being recipients of this blessings from heaven, the, these blessings that God wants to share with the world. Um, and I, I, what I hear you talking about is everybody Every one of us has a call. It, it's, it's a deposit of the, the Spirit. I want to give you a different word. An assignment. Sometimes I think we use the word call and we think only Derwin gets the call. Or me. Or Lynn or whoever. It is an assignment from God. And, and you, you mentioned earlier that your friend that had a gift of deliverance. And, I, and, and there's probably somebody in this room who has that gift. Maybe doesn't even know it. How do we discover, how do we learn more of, of what our assignments are? Uh, how do we get more familiar with what we're meant to be offering so that we can offer it with some authority and confidence? Because it seems to me that what you're describing is we're actually meant to do this with some swagger. Like, I mean, we're actually, uh, given this deposit, it's meant to be something that we don't shyly share with the world, but we can actually kind of go, go with some sort of, some level of confidence. Listen, wimpy, wimps don't win battles, do they? If you and I were going into a boxing ring and you came in wimpy, are you going to win? You might actually even be better than me, but you're not going to win. And Jesus came with a, with a humility and a resolve and a boldness that he was going to destroy the outworking of the devil. And when that gets in us, we too begin to live with a humility and a resolve and a boldness that is unstoppable because of the Holy Spirit in us. Don't you think the time is now, Derwin, for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up in this nation and take a stand against the devil's schemes? Starting here. Takes one church, takes one church to change the course of this of history. Just like David changed the course of history in 1 Samuel 17 when he wiped Goliath out. One church, one person, one church. I think that we've tried to do church. I think we've tried to do followership of Jesus for too long by our willpower. or brain power. We haven't done enough of, so the authority of our will, the authority of our intellect, it's important. But what would change if we began to live with spiritual authority? That's what this was about. Spiritual authority. And stuff begins to, we begin to see what's really going on. We begin to hear different. We begin to move with the authority of the Holy Spirit. 
How do we get there? That was your... <laughs> that was a little mini-sermon there, wasn't it? How do we get there? It's out of intimacy. It's out of intimacy. It is out of encountering God. It's out of exploring God's Word, uh, encountering Him, the living God. It's about experiencing Him on a daily basis. And then Daniel 11.32, doing exploits for Him. But it's intimacy. Teach each other about how to be increasingly intimate with Jesus. It isn't just reading our daily bread. That can become an empty, dead ritual. It's good. Do that. But there's other... Learn to experience Jesus in your heart, your soul, your mind, your body, your relationships, and your spirit, man. Where does that come from, by the way? The uh, the great uh, commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, relationships, and spirit. Uh, somebody over at was probably Angel because you're sort of like that. She gets excited. Uh, Jerry, you were you're using your body in worship. You're worshiping with your emotion, your feelings, your attitudes. This is how I was raised to worship. That worked for a while, but not for very long. I'm not advocating charismatic into the red zone into the red zone. I don't mean that, but I mean being sincere before the Father and letting what's in us become expressive in your quiet time. I'm learning how to dance before the Lord by doing the, the we dance thing, because I'm pretty self-conscious about my body. But God wants me to worship Him in, in total freedom. That's, in, that's, that's, that's an example of intimacy with the body, with our physical body. There's other ways to just grow in intimacy. And then he begins to speak to us, Derwin, about my identity and how he's wired me and what he's wired me for. And I begin to grow in confidence to be able to step into that. It's, it's not like the church has never, individuals have not thought of having assignments. In fact, oftentimes the church has so we're, gonna, we're, we're here to bless the world, and we try to do that. And I think even here at Hillside, we've presented that vision yeah, uh, sure. enough about us wanting to change our neighborhood, wanting to, to love on our neighbors, but we can't do it without that first piece, which is actually us you know, abiding in Jesus, us developing that, cultivating that relationship, that growing in Him. Sure. If we're not careful, we become good deeds mm-hmm. churches. Good deeds are, we need to do good deeds. I see you've got bread and whatever else, vegetables. And I think that's fantastic. But just putting that stuff out there isn't going to change people's lives necessarily. They might be attracted to your church. They might wonder why that's there. But I'm telling you, the devil will snatch away those good thoughts. What, what has to happen as we're engaging with people in our workplaces, in our coffee shops, here in the church, is we're asking Jesus, Jesus, what's going on in, what's going on in that person's life? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to hear? What do, you want to, what do you want to say to them through me? Now we engage in conversation with people. And I don't mean pulling, pulling the four spiritual laws out. Some of you don't even know what that is. <laughs> I don't mean hammering them with the gospel. I mean, 
having conversation with them and watching how Jesus shows up in the conversation when they reveal something about them like loneliness or they've been diagnosed with something. And we go there. See with spiritual eyes, hear with spiritual ears, then speak from, with our voice, our words, from a heavenly perspective. With authority. That's your job and your leaders here to begin in a more, uh, yeah, yeah, listen, you're way ahead of a lot of places. Bravo for you all. <laughs> but go deeper, rise higher. And watch what Jesus does in you and through you in this Tri-Cities area. It's your territory, Derwin. Uh, that's your territory. Canada's not your territory. Uh, God sent the Israelites into Canaan to conquer Canaan. How did they do it? One territory at a time. You need to care about Canada and the world, but this is your territory. Take it. Take it. With all the spiritual authority and power of the Holy Spirit, as you're doing, fan it into flame. I think we should pray, don't you think we should pray? So, if it is the will of God to display his glory, don't you think he might want to do that now? Right now, this morning. Do we have that kind of expectation? So some of you here today, we got time for this, yeah, need prayer. You need prayer for healing. Heart, soul, mind, I don't mean just physically. Heart, soul, mind, body, relationships, and spirit, woman, or spirit, man. You just need that. You need to hear a word from the Lord. So we're going to invite you to come here. Uh, uh, Lynn, you're on duty now. <laughs> uh, if you know how to do, if you know how to hear the voice of God and, and give words of blessing, you just come here. And, and, and if you need prayer, you come. And then if not, thank you for being here today, right? Mm -hmm. They will be released as you determine. Elders, come on up and, and be available to pray. So if you'd like prayer this morning, let's take advantage of this opportunity to, <coughs> to have God speak into our lives. So come on up. I want to say don't be afraid of silence. And don't think that if nobody comes, we failed today. No. Holy Spirit can talk to you right there. It doesn't have to be here. All we're saying is that there is something in the body of Christ when the body says, we're going to pray for each other. So, uh, stay there or come here. Don't be afraid to come here. Nobody's going to think, well, that, that person's got some, a problem. Yeah, well, actually they do. And they're reaching up to heaven today to touch the throne of God for God to touch them.